0: Welcome back to Redefine Relentless. I'm here with Jake Henry, the CEO of Lectra Technologies, and we're going to be deep diving into that today and talking about a lot about the the background of a a startup as well as just business in general, and we're here for an organic conversation. Um, Jake, thanks for coming on today. If you could just give a quick background on yourself and your company, uh, I'd appreciate it.
1: Yeah, short thing. First of all, Hunter, uh, thank you for having me on. It's an honor, a pleasure. Uh, I don't get to do much podcast speaking, so it's a a but. uh, Yeah, my my company now we're we're pushing towards year three. So what started as a business idea at the end of 2020 is now moving on to a a full fledged company. And this year, we're looking to uh, prep to go to market, and we've scaled a little bit, and it's been a a cool ride so far. it's called uh, Electra. Uh, Hunter got on the first try. That was also pretty impressive. Oh. And, uh, we're a, a wearables company for rehabilitation. So we're using a new type of proprietary therapeutic tape to create a disruptive innovation in the rehab industry. And then there's a lot of data storage and we're using AI and deep learning to try and bring everything together. But just the, the general gist is we're trying to make a rehab device that's bringing together two mature markets for rehabilitation already. Um, and it's cool because it, it really hits home with me as well, because it was something that was personally affecting me uh, all the time when I was growing up. So um, I'm excited to get into it and uh, break it all down. But a little bit more uh, background about myself. Um, I'm a senior at Westchester University, right outside of Philadelphia, I'm studying uh, pharmaceutical product development, pretty much chemistry, chem, bio. And then uh, minoring in leadership. And uh, Hunter and I actually met at the CEO conference last year in Tampa. And honestly, that was the craziest con- uh, conference I've ever been to, not just for the opportunity, but from the people I've met. It's its crazy, like, even in the last year, how many conferences I've had the opportunity to go to. And the CEO conference is still the one where I i talk to 15 to 20 people on a, a weekly basis. So its it's a really cool opportunity. And again, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for that little introduction. And so funny, CEO, I've gone to more and I was actually just at a conference today. Edge X is what it was called. And there was a bunch of social media influencers, best-selling authors there presenting, got to talk to. But it just wasn't it wasn't the same. You could just at, at CEO conference, it was insane, like the CEO of Redbox and just a bunch of different people with the craziest backgrounds that you'd get to meet. Um, but about your company, I found it interesting. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Jake has very much so a background, obviously, with your major uh, biochem, and then you were a CVS tech intern. You, What's interesting, and I saw on your LinkedIn, was a, a vaccine project coordinator for Pfizer, uh, and you were an intern for that as well?
1: Yeah, so that was, that was a pretty cool opportunity as well. I worked a lot in uh, New York City this summer with Pfizer, and um, they had me doing a lot of cool stuff. So I worked a lot on their long COVID algorithm and like developing their uh the predictive model and stuff and like kind of being able to to kind of break into that space. So it was cool because it was like the first opportunity to really utilize like the stuff that I was learning in school. Because like yeah growing up, I, I feel like you learn stuff and then you forget it and then you move on to the next thing. It's good, like you you try and absorb everything regurgitate it put it out on the test and just kind of forget about it but this was cool because it was kind of like i uh, I'm actually being able to use my stuff my uh not ideologies but like my my knowledge from school into a real life scenario so that was it was a cool opportunity and
0: yeah that's awesome and it's and it kind of like just it helps on with your experience of the company you're trying to build Electra Technologies Um, and and from what I understand what I've seen is it is it kind of like when I'm watching the NBA games like or football games it's the black strip that are on that you kind of like the sticker but it has a vibration mechanism for rehab is am I getting that right
1: exactly so uh let me I can try and break it down like this so you hit it right on the nose with that athletic tape like James Harden wears on his shoulder Mm -hmm. exactly but uh it's kind of like a combination of like, say you take like the, you know, the Theraguns that people go on the sidelines and yep. use the, the tissue massagers. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty much that into a piece of athletic tape or kinesiology tape that we're using then to, um we're building off of that because everybody knows there's EMS machines, there's TENS machines and everybody uses all the time. But what's different with us is like, we're really trying to get into the data collection because first of all the fitness analytic market that's growing like crazy like you know whoop fitbit garmin like those guys are the mm-hmm. big players and it's it's uh, like a 42 billion dollar market right now expected to be uh, like almost 200 billion in in 2030 or something but like we want to use it uh we wanna, we're making proprietary sensors that we're we're trying to th- like use as threading in the tape to collect data as people are rehabbing and like what i think is really cool about it is there's no sensors there's no metal in the tape it's really just a piece of tape and then we're collecting everything through the the threading and then what i want to be able to do is say like james harden for example was playing uh in the nba and like he's wearing the tape it's recording data as he's playing and then he'll go onto the sideline go off and then he'll put our little capsule in start rehabbing and then that'll be collecting more data and then we're going to use something called a magnumometer where you go like this and it creates friction and that friction trans- transmits it right to the phone and then that off of that, it sends all the data and then the AI is going to start reading it and then start making like a, a, a rehab based feedback plan on how the muscle is doing. Say like he's his shoulders messed up, like yeah. it'll be telling him what data his shoulder, uh, uh, like the tape collected from his shoulder and then what he needs to do to get rid of that feeling that he has some pain or some sort of like.
0: yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's so unique too, in like the thousands of tens to hundreds of thousands of scenarios that can play out. The AI will be able to read each specific thing and tailor to that person. Uh, Wow, that's such a a ludicrous idea. And ideally, like you said, like they can wear it during a basketball game and then they can just snap on what you're talking about and and it does its work and then sends and then the friction, sending it to the phone. Dude, that's super cool. Uh, That's a super neat idea um, well, not an idea. It's, it's, it's coming into play now. Uh, and I saw like, what was it last week? Uh, you did a pitch and you got, you got some investors, right?
1: Yeah. So we actually, um, we got a little bit of investing money and then we got in connection. This is, uh, this is like a whole rabbit hole. We're about to go down into. So we can, we can get into it right now. Let's go. This was really cool opportunity. And this goes all the way back to, um, social media it starts with, but let me back to this conference. It was a health sports tech conference. So it was really cool because they were flying people in all across the country. Like a guy came in from the Netherlands. There was a guy from uh, uh, North Carolina, Westchester. And then I forget where the fourth woman was from, but it was really cool. They were, they picked like four people out of like 70 from across, I mean, not even the country, the world, because the Netherlands guys were coming in as well. But like um, we came in and we gave our pitches in like a shark tank style. So it was actually an insane experience. Cause I, I have a, a YouTube channel where I break down shark tank pitches and it was kind of like, Oh my gosh, I get to be, I have the opportunity to be able to, to do it. And like, they had us come in, pitch our ideas. And then we talked to a panel and we had to strike a deal with the sharks. And I got, I think I ended up with off bat. It was 40 this deal, made no sense. He gave me, I uh, gave him 40% of the company for uh, until on a 5% royalty until he got his $500,000 investment back. And then the equity drops like 20% with no royalty. So it was just pretty much a 20% stake. But, and this was all fictitious. This wasn't like a real one here. He wasn't. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean. But um, afterwards, there was a guy who runs the University of Pennsylvania's wearables lab. He came up to me and we were talking for a while and he was interested. So he put me in contact with the head of uh, UPenn's biomedical engineering neurology and neuromodulation lab and I I have a call with her next week and it was really cool because like I was looking into more of the research that she was doing and she was specializing in this specific type of uh, technology that we were looking to uh, kind of pursue and we were looking at it and the the technology she was talking about was similar to uh a group that we had been talking to for a while and they ended up being one of our partners for manufacturing. And they ended, I called him and I was like, Hey, do you know this woman by chance? And he was like, yeah, like we grew, we like, we went to school together in college. Like we're really good friends. And I was like, Oh my God, you're from Houston and she's from UPenn. And he was like, yeah, she's from all over. Like she was, she came from California, but, um, backtracking even farther, these guys that were, are partnered with from Houston that are doing a lot of our, uh, fabric manufacturing and they work a little bit on the electronics side um i actually met them through tiktok so i uh i was scrolling through tiktok and one of my my friends that um friends with through tiktok is like he was talking about how he was speaking on this entrepreneurial like linkedin it was called entre and i ended up dming the entre guys and i was like hey like i i saw you guys do a like a sort of social media for entrepreneurs like it's really cool is there any way that i'd be able to get on the platform and learn more about it he was like sure like let's do it and i ended up talking to him seeing that there was a pitch competition on this uh this app platform and it was like the top five most upvoted um companies get to come on and pitch their idea so i was like okay how do i get to the top i was texting my friends texting my family and it wasn't working so i just started making random accounts i would log in upvote it and log out so i got (laughs) it and uh i ended up getting I ended up in first place on the upvotes by like 45 just because I wanted to be sure. And then I, uh, I ended up being able to pitch and I, I came in second out of like 67 or something. I ended up going with a lot of people. And um, one of the investors that I was pitching to, he was like, Hey, like, because this was, this was uh, August. No, this was right after CEO last year. He was like, Hey, like you guys are, you're doing well. It looks like you're, you're making progress, but like you're not at a place where investors would give you money. So there's another company that I invested in that I think would be a great opportunity for you guys. And at this point, like I, when I was at CEO last year, I didn't know how to incorporate everything together into one machine that worked. And we ended up meeting these guys and they really ended up being one of our white horses. Cause we went down uh, South and ended up doing a proof of concept work that showed that it like my idea worked and it worked really well. So it was kind of like probably the craziest moment of my life. And I, we're almost we just submitted the patent and I would, I really want to show I could I wish I could pull it up right now and show you what we're doing because you you saw a little snippet of like what it looked like in the yeah. in the pitch or whatever, but like now we're a lot farther than that. Yeah. And I'm super excited to kind of like disclose all of that uh once we get the patent back because we we sent it back like we sent it in like a month ago, but it was just really cool because we, we ended up meeting the guys that were the biggest asset to us and the greatest friends and like they we met them through social media. So it's just really cool how. I feel like the creator economy like really breaks into everything, which I, I can I can talk more about like the social media aspect and stuff more, but like it's been it's been a cool ride with that so far as well.
0: Yeah. And it's that's why I loved when you were like, I'm about to go in a rabbit hole, I'm like fire away because I, I want to hear that. And I and I know the audience does as well, because it comes back to the fact of everyone has a unique scenario and how they grow their business in the early stages of startup. One thing everyone has to have is grit. There's no way to get around it with the effort you put in. Um, it, but it's very interesting to hear your background story, what you had to do, that you were making fake accounts to upvote your your account. Uh, yeah, your account to get in the pitch competition, and then you play second. You wanted to make sure you had that opportunity. That is that is so. That's awesome. I mean, it goes to show like even if people would consider it as like you know, not fair or whatever, it's like you were still putting effort in trying to trying to get that. Um, yeah. and, and so that's where that that's just so interesting with everything and your background and developing it. I'm curious, how did you come up with this idea? like what what was the oh snap, this right here?
1: yeah, so i I was an athlete all my life. like I grew up playing every single sport. I was in high school, I played soccer, basketball, football, tennis, and I played baseball all the time I was a kid, so like sports were a really big part of my life. I played I played soccer in college too, like my first couple of years and like I would spend a lot of time in the trainers room cuz like I was really stubborn and like they would tell me, "Hey, like you're hurt, you probably shouldn't play." And I'd be like, "I'm going to play anyway." So I'd be like, "All right, I would do it and then I'd get hurt and I would spend a lot of time in the trainer's office where I would be doing the muscle stimulation work and they would put all these wires on. It was a really monotonous process. They would, they would hook me up and it would be like 45 minutes by the time, like the the treatment was over. And I was like, dude, this is, and it worked like every single time I was doing it, but I was like, this is such a waste of time. Like I wish that there was a a way that I could kind of like lower the, lessen the process of like the stress that was induced with it. Like the time consuming aspect of it. And I was like, I got to be able to do something here. And I was like, well, is there anything that's out there that people have combined to like make this process easier? And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, nobody's trying to put this into like an adhesive or like a tape or anything that could be taken on and off like a bandaid. Cause when you think of a bandaid, you think of, Hey, I have a, I have a like a scratch. Like what's a quick way that I can get rid of the scratch. You put a bandaid on it. Hey, I have this muscular problem. What's a quick way that I can mitigate the pain of this muscular problem put on this therapeutic band aid, And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I can try and start to run with this. So I immediately like started drawing up all these ideas. And I was like, is this something that's actually feasible? Is this something that's profitable? And like I looked it up and all the, the markets are growing like exponentially. Like I think it's 9% with the MS market and 7% with the kinesiology market. And I remember it was right. Like finals week of my freshman year, I wasn't studying for any exams because I was like, Oh my God, this is like, this is what I want to do. Cause like, um, I can tell you I'll keep going with this but like ever since I was a kid I was trying to make stuff like I remember it was so bad I got in so much trouble when I was in second grade because I would make books I would take like 20 pieces of paper and I would staple them together and I would sell them to kids after I would like make a story into it the one girl bought one of my books for like 70 bucks and we got a yeah we got we got an angry phone call from a grandpa that one night but then it, it transitioned to like I remember we uh we had a um clothing brand a gym clothing brand everybody was doing that so it didn't end up working out but my biggest thing i remember we had a uh all the the gifted kids in high school i wasn't one of the gifted kids but i really wanted to be a part of our stem team we had like a stem team where they would make a project and they had to enter this competition and i was like well i want to do this i think i'm a creative person and i bugged the advisor enough that he was like all right dude you can come in whatever And no one of these really smart kids, quote unquote, come up with any ideas. And I remember this was like uh, freshman year of high school. I think it was like seven years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, I have an idea. We should make a little thing. And I was was very forgetful. I'm still a forgetful person. So at the time I was like, we should make like something that fits in your pocket or connects to something to your phone that if you lose it, like it'll be able to track it. And like from like, and I was like, yeah. And it ended up being freaking tile because I remember my CAD teacher was like that's the stupidest idea I've ever heard in my life and I end up being tile end up being AirTag, and a billion dollar company and I was like wow uh what are the odds of that but like it's just something that I've been really passionate about but like going back to what I was saying about like making the stuff like I wasn't studying I was just working on this and um I the first person I told about it was like hey I was I was going into my organic um first organic chem class and I, I was like my I was finishing my internship at uh, CVS as a technician and I told my organic chem professor I was like hey man like I have this idea and I think I can do something with this and I feel like I can be able to make a business out of it and he was like okay well I don't really care like I'm going to introduce you to somebody else and he introduced me to this other guy named Mark Dewey who's been a tremendous mentor help uh, absolutely positive influence on me and like my entire journey with this and like has been like the from the beginning like the fuel to the fire on us which is why i kind of want to like really emphasize how important it is to get the mentor because everybody talks about like oh my gosh like get a mentor do this and blah blah, blah. like it's insane like it's kind of like a uh it's like a, a, a what is it called a fairy godparent or something like because you yeah. have all these questions you're like dude i don't know how to do this and they're always the kind of person's like hey take a deep breath did you think about it like this? And I was like, Oh my God, no. Like that's incredible. So It was just just kind of like a process of like, then from like, Hey, I have all these drawings and then I met him and we were talking for a while. And he was like, he's like, I don't think that that would work. Obviously try it if you want to, but I don't think that's going to end up working. But maybe if you looked at it this way, it might have a, a more positive outcome. I was like, okay. So from there it was just kind of like building the team and, building the building the network and um we can go into that more about how the process of like how i kind of started to figure out and work through problems because like a lot of the stuff that i've been working with like i my background is not in like i don't i don't know anything about electrical engineering i don't know anything about textiles i don't know anything about marketing and distribution i don't know about any, anything about scaling and it's just like he taught me all these lessons that i mean i'm more like i'd be happy to talk more about of like the way of going about it that um, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. It actually might be more beneficial to you to not be the smartest person in the room. You just need to be able to communicate with the smartest people in the room to a, a level that they feel like if they worked with you or for you, that it would be worthwhile to them as well. Not just them doing a favor, they could get something positive out of it uh, from somebody yeah. who's same level. So what he would tell me is like, um, get your knowledge. If you want somebody to get a job done for you or get to work on a level of like that you would want them to be working at Is like get your knowledge to a level where you could have a five-minute intelligent conversation about what they got their PhD in or what they got their master's in and I was like okay uh so what I was doing is like there was a neurophysiologist I was like I gotta learn these muscular pathways or I gotta have somebody else who knows how to do this and lo and behold I started reading neuromodulation books like All about the central peripheral nervous system, about muscle physiology. And I met this one woman from uh, Widener, and we had an intelligent conversation. And then another one from Westchester, and it was like, hey, this kid actually cares. And he seems like he knows what he's talking about. So let's see if we can do something with this. And then so I got uh, an exercise physiologist onto the team. And the next one was like, I need an electrical engineer. I don't know how to code, I don't know how to read. a PCB program or, uh, any sort of design. So I was like, what do I do? And I was like, this is going to be a lot tougher to learn all of electrical engineering than just figure out somebody. So I try to learn the very basic like Ohm's law and stuff like that and learning about voltage gates and how current flows. And then I started reaching out on LinkedIn. I, I reached out to 300 people on LinkedIn. I sent the same message. Cause what I would do is I would start, I would filter it by like electrical engineers and then I was trying to go in the Philly area. The Philly area didn't respond to me. I went out to the greater Philly area and then the New York City area. And then I ended up going to the country. And I was just like texting all these people. I had one person respond to me. That's it. Out of 300 people. And um, he was a kid who just graduated from Virginia Tech. Him and I worked for like two months. He wanted me to, he wanted to introduce me to another buddy of his. And uh, him and I ended up working even Better together than the the initial uh, kid that I had reached out to. And the initial guy said, Hey, like I'm getting a job. And I don't think that I'm gonna be able to keep going. And I was like, okay. So the, the other guy and I started working together. This was right before CEO he joined, and now he's co-founder and he's been the another white horse. Like I wouldn't be where I am without him. And like I think the, the big general idea of doing something like this is like anybody can have an idea anybody can say they're going to do this and that it's like you ever hear people who are like oh my gosh i need to do that or i need to start doing this or like but nobody really does it it's kind of like a grit thing it's like there's one big quote i really like is like there's there's two but um most people let their fear of failure outweigh the desire to exceed. so succeed Mm -hmm. so it's like people really question themselves question their abilities before they're like you know what I'm 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 that guy. Like it doesn't even matter. I mean, if it's gonna work, it's gonna work. Yeah. If it doesn't. It's gonna
0: like 100 percent the imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Uh, all of that uh, from building startup to get finding the people and building that dream team in order to accomplish what you have to accomplish, and let alone mentors. I mean, it was told to us all throughout CEO uh, that conference, and then uh, multiple other places. It's like find a mentor do this, that, that. And then it's like, some people really don't go after to find a mentor. And if you just ask, you'd be surprised about how many people will open up and help you. One of the guys, uh, Robert Hackler, um, I'm really, now that I have a job, I'm in an organization or fellowship. Uh, Something I can explain to you later, maybe off the podcast, but it's a two-year program. So after this two years, I'm desiring to, to start my own company, Simpler Living LLC, which is what I was in uh, the pitch competition for uh, and CEO, uh, and I have this guy that I'm meeting with Nick this coming Tuesday to talk about how to really start finding those investments and turning up this idea and just the multiple things. He he builds like movie theaters in Indiana for. Anyone and everyone that's a so and Larry Bird he's built a movie theater for uh, Twenty One Pilots you've probably heard of that the band he built their studio so it's like a lot of movie theater theater type of things he he does but he's helping me mentor and it's very it's very important like you said uh, and re hitting the nail on the head is the fact that like you you can't do everything with your your knowledge alone and then going back to you don't have to be the smartest person and Elon literally says that he's like. Uh, I don't, I'm not the smartest person, but I I hire people from Harvard, although I didn't graduate from Harvard, I hire people from Harvard, Yale University, and a bunch of these prestigious universities. And I know how to communicate to them exactly what you were saying. Um, But I always like reinforcing, especially that, that, that superb knowledge and wisdom that you've bestowed from another person, which is your mentor. Um, How hard you talked about, you know, uh, How hard was it to find a person? We talked about, you talked about getting, sending 300 uh, messages, which is insane. Um, How hard was it though, when that finally came to make someone a co-founder, you know, it's like, this is your baby. This is what you've been working on. Was it easy or was it hard? Or was it kind of like, this is what has to happen in order for it to work? What was your thought process behind that? So I think I got really lucky with having the opportunity to have him on the team
1: because it was, it was really somebody that was like, they were so excited from the beginning. Like, as soon as I, like, I remember the first time I pitched the idea to him, he was so on board. Like, he was like, I will, I won't even get a job. I'll just work for you. And he's like, so on board. <laughs> it was, it was, it was crazy. Cause he was just like, literally, I will quit my job. If we get funding, like I'll do this, I'll do that. And it's kind of like a, knowing that we don't think the same, but we have the same goals, which is really good. Because I feel like if you don't, if you don't have anybody, like if there's no disagreements, there's no progress. So it's kind of nice that we, we don't butt heads, but we, we make sure to question each other when something needs to be questioned. And like, it was somebody that I I really get along with. We share the same vision. We have the same goals. And like, once I figured that out, I was like, this is somebody that I know is going to be an incredible asset and be able to build this to the extent that I wouldn't be able to do it if I was by myself. So it was I was lucky because he came along, and I, like it was, it was just so convenient because it was an easy decision. Like I, I didn't even like, yeah, it's my baby, but at the end of the day, like, you're not going to get it done, even have an opportunity to try to get it done if you don't have the resources to to succeed. And like, he, he's been such a pivotal, pivotal part of the project that I was just like, this isn't even a tough decision. Like I could, I would do this yeah. hundred times. So, so yeah, it That's was a awesome. little awesome.
0: Yeah, it was cool. When you talked about I what I really liked about what you just said that and I just heard from uh, another speaker within our organization we have previous or fellows it's a 20 plus year long organization that's lived a lot kind of like CEO or business fraternity after college. And um, one of the, the founders of Mallow, which is um, Yao Inning, and its, its company valuation is now $50 million plus now. Uh, and he's scaled it in the past four years to be like insane. And going back to what you said with sending 300 messages to get that right person, he said he pitched 70 times, 70 different times in order to get one investor everyone rejected him. And it was that grit and that perseverance of that passion that he had behind the business and growing it in which he could scale it and finally get an investor and a breakthrough. But with what you were saying, it's just so interesting um, that like in comparison, it was literally what he was saying. And it was like leveraging perspectives was one of his biggest things. He said, if I had everyone that was cloned as me, if I clone myself, and I had the same people, the business wouldn't, wouldn't it, it would eventually get stagnant because you have to have different mindsets to make something become greater. And that's what Abraham Lincoln did. He, he hired um, on cabinet, very diverse thinking in order to get an, a, an amazing outcome. Um, I think that's awesome that you could realize that you could see the vision and, um, and they did as well, but it was like, you don't get along with every single thing, which I think is a really good thing and to scale the business and to make it the best To have those arguments, but then when you go to market, it's like this is better than it would have been without with just two of myself, a hundred percent. Very interesting. Um, In terms of business, I'm curious what has been one of the biggest challenges that you have you faced, and how have you overcome it, or how are you trying to overcome it? So
1: this was a kind of piggybacking off what I said earlier was like building team, building the right team wasn't a very difficult process for me it was really like filling the gaps in what I knew. Like once I was able to find the, the right people to help out with the project, I, I knew it was the right fit. But like the process of like saying, I really don't know how to do this and I have to find somebody who's like this. And like I said, with finding an electrical engineer, it took 300 tries, but it was even harder for finding the the software engineer, like the fabrics engineer, the all that part. So the whole... The whole process that made it really arduous was like you would go down almost like an assembly line. Like, I would be like, okay, for example, I really need somebody who knows how to develop a sensor to do this specific job. And I was like, I don't know how to do it. He doesn't know how to do it. Do you know, know anybody who would do it? And I would consult my like mentor or somebody else in the network, and they'd be like, hmm, I have no idea. But I know this one guy that I used to work with 40 years ago that used to work at sensors for a couple days. And I was like, okay. So he was like, I'll give you his contact. So you get on a call with this guy. And he'll be like, Hey, I only worked for sensors for a week, but my buddy, Gary, like he was, he was the man, like he worked on sensors for two months. And I was like, all right, can I talk to Gary? And Gary was like, yeah, I, I worked on sensors for a while. Like, uh i don't really do it anymore but if you if you know like what you need i can point in the right direction so gary and i would break down what i wanted from the sensor and he's like oh my god like jim he's been working in sensors for 10 years like i'll put you in contact with jim and then i start talking to jim and jim's like yeah i don't know exactly how to do that but my like like ralph is like he knows exactly how to do he's been doing that exact sensor for 20 years so then you finally get to ralph and ralph is like yes i can do that in five minutes and you're like oh my god easy. Where were you six months ago? So it's yeah. just been like for every single like avenue we've we've kind of routed ourselves to. It's it's a assembly line process of like I don't know how to do it, but he might know how to do it, and then you kind of get to a point where it's like. Oh my God, thank you. That's a person. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah. exactly. That's very interesting in the comparison. I think it makes it very easy, the assembly line and like kind of carrying something through, but you going through different connections and then, hey, do you have anyone that would maybe know of this, a potential lead or connection about this? Uh, And then you finally find the person. Um, That's so funny because I did the same thing when I was doing my business and trying to get to know the shipping container home business. And then I finally, I got to the end of the line and met with the CEO of the company. I convinced him um, like, that I was very serious in starting my business and stuff. And then he eventually flew me out and paid for all my expenses to help him with an event. Um, and I got the experience. But it was like you said, and how I can compare to you, that it was like that grit and perseverance. Ah, I don't know how to do it, but maybe this guy knows how to do it. And some people might stop at that point. And it's like, you don't know when that point's going to be, but when you land there, it's something that makes you different from the rest is because you had that grit and perseverance and passion about what you're doing in order to keep on going to find that final person that will really make your life a whole lot easier, like you said. Um, and we all have those people in the industries. So that's, that's super interesting, but I kind of want to open it up. I know it's been a lot focus of business. Um, what do you think the audience should know? It doesn't even have to be like, Well, audience might think this is boring. What are you passionate about? What do you want to talk about the most while you're on here um, that you think is very interesting and that could maybe possibly help the the audience? And I know it's a very pivotal question. Uh, You could take it into business, personal, your business, whatever you would like. What do you think um, the audience should take away from this podcast and what you've learned through your business so far?
1: So lessons through my business first of all like I, I would say there's two things i want to pivot to here it's like the first one is like lessons i've learned from the business is like i think a flawed characteristic this is what i've learned from like going to the conference especially ceo what i learned like you can you can read a person in like the first 10 seconds you talk to yep. them i feel like from like a, 100%. the most respectful perspective is like you can read how somebody is like right off the bat and then i think a major flaw in people who want to make a business is like being egocentric or like obstinate and like having the world kind of revolve around them saying like i'm the ceo i'm the founder this is my show like yeah if that's what you're doing then you're not gonna you're not gonna be running the show very long yeah. it's kind of like a i feel like a lot of people let the ego the other ego get the best of them kind of like the reason why i say like i sit back and i read people and like i i don't want to be the smartest person in the room because there's always something you can learn from somebody else and if somebody goes in saying hey i'm the best engineer I'm the best coder. I'm the best speaker. Like, why are you even trying to make a team? And people base off the success off of a business, off of how well they build a team around them. And if like an investor is like, hey, like, where's your team? And they'll be like, I can do everything. They're like, well, you can do it for somebody else then because we're not going to invest. Yeah. I, and like, I, I just feel like being able to understand when you're in a position where you're like, dude, I, I just don't know how to do this. I'm like having the guts to be like, I don't know how to do this. I need somebody who can do this that can do it better than I can more efficiently. And like, you're doing so much stuff as like a founder all throughout the day, all throughout the week. And it's just like, you're delegating so much time to different things. It's like, you have to be able to give responsibility and give trust in other people and not again, let your ego get the best of you. Because another thing with that, I think is ties into trying to raise money. I feel like everybody's biggest thing is like, Oh my God, I got to raise money. I got to do this right now. I feel like it's like a, again, to like an, it feels like an egocentric aspect of people of like, Hey, if we don't get money right now, then nobody's going to take us seriously. But it's like, if you, if you take the time to develop, build a team, understand the market feasibility, understand what the market wants. um, You're going to be in a lot better position to try and raise around than if you're saying like, Hey, I need money so I can do the prototype. I need money so I can do marketing to make sure everybody can see it in the country. Mm -hmm. Like that's a cool, but like, if you, if it's not what people want. You can market to as many people as you want, and nobody's going to buy it. Yeah, that's. I try to really true. step back with that too, because like from CEO, I was like, oh my god, like I don't know what I'm going to do without this money. Like I need it now. And I remember, um, it's funny because uh, one of the one of my mentors is now two of them are from the CEO conference. Like you remember, Joy was a speaker.
0: Yep, I, I like, very vividly remember her. Yep, Joy.
1: Yeah, her and I talk once a week, and she's on my she's on my advisory board. Like she wow. got me. Like I'm in, I'm in the Tampa University Spartan Accelerator, because her and I became really good friends from the conference. She was like, she was like, hey, like, but she told me this last week. She is like, her and Rebecca White, like Rebecca White's really close. Yep, <laughs>
0: yep, I know her. Yeah, I met people. her. Yeah, I got her book. I got the book. To, I actually, I don't know. Wait, let me. I
1: might be this
0: one. Yeah, I got both of her books. She had two books. Yep, there you go. I lost the other book. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made one of my pitch
1: decks off of her book, so that was pretty cool. But back, like, to what I was saying was like, it was, it was, it was crazy because she was like, "Hey, you." There was like 350 kids that reached out to me during the conference, after the conference, and she was like, "You were one of two kids that kept following up after three months." She was, she was like, "You were one of two kids that kept talking to me." I was like, "Oh my god!" And she was like, "So again, it's like, like what you were saying back with the, with the grit. It's just like you really have to have." I don't know if I can say this on the ball podcast, but like, you have to have the balls to be able to like, oh yeah, one hundred percent, and be persistent because you're not being annoying, you're being persistent, people really appreciate that. You won't believe how many people are like, um, we'll get off a call and I'll send up to follow up like immediately, they're like, oh my god, like, you, thank you, like, you sent this like right away, and I was like, why do people not do that? And they're like, usually <laughs> yeah. not. So yeah. it's, it's kind of like an eye opening thing. It's like being humble, being open to open to change, being knowing when you're not in the right being able to step back and be like, okay, yeah. this is wrong. Like I should be listening to what other people are saying. So like now with my co-founder, it's like, I consult him for like everything. I'll be like, Hey, I'm doing this. Like, do you want me to change anything? Like are there anything you don't like? And he'll be like, I don't like this. And I'll be, be like, okay, let's talk through it and figure out what's wrong.
0: Yeah. That's um, interesting.
1: You know, So it, it's, it's cool. It's just like being able to humble, humble yourself. Cause like I was, I was pretty egocentric in high school, like playing sports all the time. And I realized that like, you're not going to get anywhere being a dick. It's just not worth it. Like just yeah. be like everybody uh, be open-minded and you're going to get a lot farther than if you think you're running the show. So. Yeah. Um, that's,
0: that's so crazy. Going back to what you just said and being persistent. So I definitely did not hit up joy, but I hit up um uh, Chris. Chris is a patent. He got his PhD in law and patents and through that opportunity, reestablishing what you're saying, and because uh, I really want to push that to the audience is to the fact of being persistent. And even if you have to email them 10 times, and it might seem like you're annoying them, eventually they answer, just like I did with the CEO of Bob's Containers, now the biggest manufacturer of tiny homes in the United States. I just persistently kept on calling him and annoying him for a year. And then eventually, he picks it up. And he's like, you know what? What are you doing for your spring break? And then flies me out and I get this whole new network and opportunity. And same thing at CEO, people weren't persistent. I actually just sent Chris about a month ago an email and I just said, Hey, I don't think you, I don't want you to forget that. Um, I was talking to you. I'm like starting my business up soon. I'd love to have some advice. And then we were talking about things I'm doing, he's doing, and, uh, man, he was just an amazing person to connect to, uh, Sean as well. He's at at Tampa um I don't know if you remember Sean at all, but he was the guy that was kind of running it, uh, and there was a couple other guys. But I, I reached out to them. I'm like, "Hey, can I come to the CEO conference in Chicago? I'll help out. I'll volunteer. I'll do anything." Just oh, to get coming? that. Well, I wanted to, but the thing is, is that alumni cannot come. It's it's specifically only for college students. And I tried to vouch. I'm like, "I'll volunteer. I'll pay for everything." Like I oh, want. No, that I can
1: get you in. I got my friend in.
0: He's a vol- he's a Tampa grad. I got him in. Really.
1: Yeah. I got him in a, for 50% discount. Cause I got, I made really good friends with the guy who runs James and Dean. Yeah. James. Uh, yeah. Yeah. James. I got, and Dean. Yeah. I got my friend in because I'm friends with James so
0: I could talk to him. Yeah. I reached out to James. I think it was James. And then I emailed, him, I said, Hey, can I, I'll do anything. I don't know if you remember me. I won a couple of prizes and it was like, I seem like to be winning everything. And everything. Uh, he, so yeah, I know that was so funny. And I got, uh, I got known, but just from being bold and persistent and talking to a bunch of different people, but the back to that fact, dude, that'd be awesome. That'd be sick. And guys, this is, this is the prime aspect of networking and why it's important to talk to people, your friends, your buddies that are helping you grow and in the background, because then you, you get someone in the background. It's like, Oh, I can do that for you. And then it's like, wow, I have another opportunity. So just like that. Um, and I think that's, But going back to what you said and just being persistent and emailing people, you'd be surprised at how many people reach out to you. And it's so funny that you said, Joy, so there's only two people and you were one of them that were persistent. Maybe some people went for others, but let's just say probably roughly 0.5%, maybe less were persistent on giving to the speakers, um, to whatever speakers aroused those people that were like, wow, I really like this person. I think this person can help me. I think it was, like, such a small percentage of people that actually did that. It's good to hear that you you did Joy, because um, Joy is definitely – an uh, she has an amazing background. She was, like, the – what did she do at Apple? Uh, she was at Apple, right, for a while?
1: Yeah, she – dude, she did so much stuff. She said – she's done, like, like, 287 million in acquisitions between, like, her and all of her companies. I mean, let me see exactly what it was. I don't – I mean, it's, like – Let me try and look it up right now real quick. She did a lot of
0: really cool stuff. Um, Dude, I remember her talking about it at the CEO conference and I just, my jaw just kept on dropping lower and lower and lower. I'm like, what? And she met Steve Jobs, like what? That's crazy.
1: Yeah, she she led to 17 acquisitions, 387 million raised. um, Raised another 1.9 billion and 96 successful exits and two IPOs. And she's like on my core team.
0: Dude, that is insane. That is like, that's like a go-to person. If you have a call once a week and people would say, oh, you're just lucky. No, Jake was persistent in what he did and was impressed Joy with uh, his persistence that she was able to help him because she knows that he's going to work hard and listen and and be persistent in his business. And it's not going to be a waste of her time, especially with her background and what she does. She sees a lot in Jake, so she's able to put that time and effort towards him because she sees something out of Jake. I think, uh, people don't buy into the business. They buy into the entrepreneur. And if you're able to display it, like you, Jake have been, um, you know, with your YouTube. And I think with all this stuff in the background that you do, it's like, you might not like people might not realize taking these little opportunities, like you digesting shark tank videos, but now you became an excellent pitcher. And now you got second place. And then it's like doing all these things. And like me for the podcast, it's like talking, uh, and talking to people and formulate conversations. When I was at the, the conference today, there was a guy, my, my friend was like, I, got, I showed him his Instagram and he had a quarter a million followers. And I'm like, wow, that's actually crazy. And not, and I learned also today that it's not about your following. It's about how, how big hearted you are for in the dark times. You're not going to be able to push yourself with a low following, but with a big heart, you can push yourself. Uh, Very interesting that I learned today, but in pushing that, uh, it's just, I walked up and introduced myself. Hey, I'm Hunter Carlos. It was very nice to meet you. I appreciate, and just being positive right out of the gate. And then like you said, 10 seconds it takes to get to know someone's vibe. And that's what I learned with venture capitalists after pitching a ton. My senior year was like, you have 10 seconds to get my attention. And if you don't, I don't care. And I'm not going to pay attention the rest of the time. It's like, I'm curious, how do you get people's attention in your pitches? So, first
1: of all, I want to backtrack a little bit. I really liked what you said, and I'll go right into that. Yeah, I, absolutely. I like, how, I like how you said um, people buy into the entrepreneur. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So, there's this – it's the best TED Talk I've ever seen. Uh, it's called Start With Why.
0: Yeah, Simon um, Schneck. Yeah, yeah people awesome. don't buy what you
1: do. They buy why you do. And I remember his like, – I I kind of transitioned the way I pitch based off of how he talks about how Apple computers. He's like uh, – he had said that, like, we we have the we have the best parts. Manufacturing is incredible. We 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 manufacture the screens, but anything else. And we're Apple. Want to buy a computer? And then he was like, "We're we're revolutionizing the the way that people connect. We're revolutionizing the way that people connect and how they interact with each other, and um, the way that they go about their daily lives has completely changed for the better. And we just happen to sell good computers. Like you want to buy one? So I I agree a hundred percent. And it's all about the presentation of yourself and and your your mission of the reason why you're doing something, which is transitioning back into your question of like, how do I get people's attention? It's, it's, it's getting people excited about your story and being able to find a common ground with each and every single person you talk to and be like, Hey, this is my story. I want to be able to share it to you with you resonate with you about your story and see if our stories can kind of coincide and see if there's some sort of mutual inflection point. That's like, Hey, we're not that different after all. Like we're doing completely different things, but it could be a similar, similar ideology, a similar breakdown of the way we think. Like, um, I just try, I try to like tie in my story and, and connect with individuals however I can. Cause again, like, I just want to be open with people and just be able to connect in a way that's establishing a common ground. Like I really want to show that I'm not there to, be above anybody, be below anybody. I just want to share my story. And that's what people like the most is when you're, you're really uh, transparent and show your, show your true colors, I guess. And people really appreciate that.
0: Yeah. And and with that good energy and that uh, there's so much, I think that plays into a pitch, not only that you're passionate about it and that you've practiced your communication skills, but also your gestures, uh, your, your voice, your tonality in which you speak. Uh, there's so much of a fine tune of the psychology and, and, and pitching that finally, and what I think is interesting to what you said, not everyone's going to say yes and not everyone's going to agree with your business, it's impossible, not like Apple, a big company, but not everyone agrees with it, some people hate the product, uh, very small amount of people I will say but there, not everyone agrees in that and it's like you can pitch to someone um, like the guy I met, um, Yao Inning, uh, was talking about how like he pitched to 69 people before he he got one yes. No one believed in him. And he kept on going and being persistent. And then until the fact that he eventually got invested in uh, as a company and now grew it to over a $50 million valuation. And it's like that persistence and you being true to who you are and leveraging other people's perspectives in which you can be very successful with whatever, anything and everything you do. Um, going back super quick to what you said though, because I just remember with the tile dude, that is so interesting. I had, a um, a idea book since I was, I don't know, uh, maybe a freshman in high school or like a eighth grade. And I've written all these ideas down, dude. I have like literally hundreds of them, like the most stupid things you could think of. Like Absolutely. I had like body wipes. So like you would, you'd wipe yourself instead of showering. Cause I was so lazy. Like my freshman year of high school, I'm like, that'd be cool if you could just shower and have this wipe now, like dude wipes has it. Um, and that. but the tile thing is something that was written down in my book before. And then Gary Vee talks about it. You, don't be a dick and be like, Oh, I had that idea. They stole like, no, you didn't execute it. Let's get one thing straight. So don't, don't talk about it. But I find it so interesting um, that like, I mean, like they didn't steal anything from me, but it was an amazing idea. It's like, dude, I lose everything. How could I find or track something and make it like a, I don't even think they have a sticker yet, which is insane. Maybe I don't think lecture could explore. Yeah, literally dude. That could be a blow up right there, dude. uh, uh like a tracking device. And even the tiles aren't super, it's kind of like Apple iPhone. It tells you the general area, but it doesn't tell you like point A, this is where it's at. Although it can make noise and stuff, but nonetheless interesting. Um, How does your, I'm curious going deeper into that pitch, I guess, how many pitches do you have? Do you have two minute pitch, a three minute pitch, a 10 minute, 15 minute, 20 minute? Um, I mean, I, I did two, I did a minute and a half, a two minute pitch three-minute pitch, five-minute pitch, 10-minute pitch, 15, and 20, and I just frame it differently, but I'm curious to what you've practiced and tuned to uh, pitching overall into different competitions.
1: Yeah, so I, I use a lot of one-minute pitches, 90-second pitches, 10-second uh, pitches. Elevator. Some, yeah, the five-minute pitch, and then I have like four 10-minute pitches for the, depending on the audience. Huh. So it's like a, so it's like somebody who, if it's somebody I really want to sell the story, I have a story pitch. If it's somebody I really want to sell the product, I have a product pitch. Somebody I really want to sell the financials and like the the future projections of the market and the opportunity, it's that. And then there's one that just ties everything together. If they're just like, I just want to sell you as a, a person, my my ideology. So it's like, uh, I kind of try to read the room I'm going into. Um, obviously, I would use the, like the one that like the amalgamation of like everything. I would use that over one of the 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 pinpointed focus ones, but like um the most previous like the pitch I used for uh this conference I was at two weeks ago. I used the the financial one because like they were very financial heavy in their idea like all right talk about the product for a little bit but then give us our future projections, market observations, like market competitors, uh um and then talk about like your distribution channels. How are you going to scale? What's your business model? Um what how much revenue would you project based off of the market and the market growth, like stuff like that. So um I really just try and tie it into what audience am we pitching to, and yeah, who wants to hear
0: it? I'll pitch it. Yeah, and to and tailor and tailor it to uh, they're their like, yeah. I thought the CEO one was very interesting because it did a similar framework, and it's like, oh shoot, I don't have that done yet. Uh, I got to research and do some things, and then, but it's in which you you are stressing and struggling to find this thing and be as accurate as possible. In which you come out with a fine-tuned thing. Jumping back super quick to what you said because you were saying. Uh, a lot of people jump into it and they're like, oh, I need money for r and I need money for uh, prototyping and doing different things with my technology, or maybe it's a service that you're doing a case study for. Um, you need money straight up. And But being lean and mean in your business, I, I thousand percent agree with. But one of the challenging things that I've come across is finding that pinpoint, that equilibrium on the graph when the perfect time is. And it's very hard. I don't think anyone could pinpoint that that exact equilibrium, but there's a point in which you can do too much and not do anything where you're doing a stand at still jog in place. Whereas where you could grow, I'm curious to hear where do you think is a time that you've done enough pre-planning and, um, but again, I, I know it depends on the scenario, scenario of the business your service and what you're doing and how complex it can be and working with patents, not working with patents and so on and so forth. But when do you think just in general, that, that pinpoint of like, seeking investment should be um whether it be your answer time wise um whether it be like research wise when you really understand it wins a, a pinpoint because there's a point where i believe you can miss the train and if you take 10 years to come up with technology it just doesn't become feasible anymore someone's done it yeah. well
1: like, first of all if you're taking 10 years to develop the tech before you go to market Meta's is like the the prime example they're getting trashed right now for for taking yeah. too long to make something that's uh heads and shoulders different but like I like what you're saying about, uh, over-preparing. I feel like you can't overprepare prepare for a financial round, but you can definitely underprepare. prepare And like, I feel like, first of all, I've been really fortunate because like I've funded pretty much my entire round this far because of social media. Yeah. And, like I, I think that when it gets to a point that you really need, I know it's very vague and very blase, I guess, for like it, it I really want to try and hold off raising a round. That's why I specifically need to, like, I was like, okay, I'm bootstrapped and I'm going to have to move out and do something else. Like I have to figure out another job. And my ideology is like, what I'm going to do, what I've been doing for like the last two months is like starting to develop investment opportunities. So like one thing that I've been really focused on is making a list of like 30 to 50 venture capitalists in the area that I was like, okay, if I call these guys today, I could either get a meeting or I could get money from them or a check. And then I was like, okay, are there other kind of funding opportunities? So I'm starting to look at like more pitching. Like hopefully I have an opportunity to pitch this year. I was in top 20 last year, but I've changed a lot. So fingers crossed, we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then like another one's like, is there any way that, that I can get money without having to give equity? So you can do debt equity. You can do convertible notes. You can, and I just learned like six months ago that SBIRs and STTRs exist where the government's just handing out money to people who want to write a grant. And that's 275 to 3 million non-diluted. So like it's stuff like we're running a grant now for the National Science Foundation. It's just kind of like going to the ends of the earth to try to figure out if how long you can live without um, having to take money. So um, we've been drafting a financial model, and like the money that I have in my account, the money that my uh, co-founder has in the account, like this is the money we have. And like this is what we're going to run with until we get to a point where like, okay, like I – don't have enough money to live. like I need to raise money and fill this round or we're not going to be able to survive because like you also want to be able to assess how much money you need. like my my roommate's friend uh, was telling me today his his one of his brother's good friends was like, um he raised his first round He was making a thing where you could connect with roommates. like if you were going into college, roommates could meet each other and be like, hey, I need a roommate and let's meet and see like you could it was like Tinder for roommates. yeah, and, uh, so it's oh. cool yeah and like he was like the idea was cool like he raised four hundred thousand dollars right out of college for his idea for his his seed round and then he spent the seed round and he only raised four hundred thousand dollars again for his series a and for the series a he lost all of it in a month like he spent all of it because he scaled high enough but he didn't raise enough so he completely misinterpreted the the projection of the money and the financial model so it's just like being able to position yourself to know what you're going to do with the money and how you're going to go about it and we're just we're working on getting to that point me personally but like we're not at a point where it's like okay i think we can successfully raise and execute right now because it's yeah. still like a couple of unmet needs but i i hope that answered your question a little bit no, was-
0: absolutely um and it's in which there's a, a different answer in a more in-depth of a question and encircling the question, then eventually going into the question, in which there's a lot of knowledge distributed to what you've been through and experienced. Um, so, nonetheless, it was an amazing answer. Um, it, going back though to that, um, I find it so interesting because you're right. Like when you um, when you're projecting and like anything can happen. COVID. Imagine projecting and then COVID happened, and you're in an industry that was very volatile to COVID. Um, whereas, you know, um, you know, some industries, not everything was volatile to COVID, but the majority was very volatile to COVID. Uh, and then it falling down and then the back trap door falling down. And then your, your financials kind of going out the door and um, in, in everything that you've worked for. And it's like all these crazy scenarios can play out. And as, and as well as just the projecting alone, a projection alone is insane because you really don't know. Um, and as I talked to my professor at, who has his PhD in economics, you really don't know what any policy or any like, business-wise is going to do until you hit market. And then it's been through hundreds of thousands of people. Then you know if the idea like, really works 100%, um, but you don't know until you go to market. And I believe Mark Cuban said something along the lines of that. Um, you just don't know at the end of the day. So that's the scary part of when people invest in, but it only takes one company to blow up an investor uh, and the rest is history to have the next Apple or the next um, Lectra uh, technologies um, is amazing. But uh, and we've been on for, I want to be respectful of your time. What are we, what are we looking at? Um, uh, I, I'm guessing like we'll probably be wrapping it up soon. What are you, what are your vibes?
1: I'm more than happy. If you have questions, let's keep going. I, I have a meeting at 830, but
0: Okay so yeah so right. yeah we'll we'll have a little bit more time and then we can wrap it up just beforehand so you prepare for that um and uh I got gotta edit this a little bit more, but nonetheless i'm I'm curious it, in general, whether it be uh from joy because I know she has some of the best advice, what do you think is the best advice you've received, whether it be for your business in general life, what is the best advice you've received
1: so I had a soccer coach um when I was in high school and this advice has stuck with me more than anything that anyone has said to me my entire life it was it was amazing he always said that oh my god i don't remember the quote holy shit what was it oh you can't control adversity but you can i don't know why i literally i say it to myself once a week and it just like flubbed out of me uh you can't control adversity but you can control your response to it so uh it was just kind of like a there's a lot of stuff that goes on in your life that really tries to knock you down, knock you back. There's a lot of stuff that people in your life that aren't rooting for you. Usually the closest people in your life are the ones that want to see you be the least successful, which is the sad truth. But um, you're going to have a lot of stuff that you go through a lot of hoops. And then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's talking about you or who's making fun of you. Like if you're doing what you like to do and it's working, keep doing it. And it's going to end up working out. Cause like me, I remember another thing is like, um I remember I was uh starting on TikTok like I had like 5,000 followers on TikTok and I remember like I was going through the new member process for joining a a frat and like they had said all this stuff to like make me pretty much stop making the TikToks because they didn't like it and now I'm sitting at 450,000 followers on TikTok and the same guys were like, Hey, like we were just like joking with you. We were just
0: joking with you, dude. Yeah. That's awesome that you got yeah. to that far. Yeah. So,
1: and it just kind of like, okay, like, like whatever, like, don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, like at the end of the day, it's, it doesn't, it's not a big deal, but like, it's, it's stuff like that. It's like persistence closes the distance. I feel like because if oh, there's a goal like in that. mind, if there's a goal, thanks. Like, if there's a goal in mind, like, and it's something that you want more than anything else, just dedicate your time to it. Like be obsessed. Like, I feel like determination and perseverance takes you so far, but if you're obsessed and you don't let adversity take over what you're trying to do, then nothing's
0: going to stop you. Absolutely. And it just like all started, like my, my buddies would joke when I first started the podcast, what do you know? Uh, What do you do? And then it's eventually like my compounding effects to dedicating to reading to knowledge to seeking conferences to networking has all gained this superb thing that is now today me, uh, in which I've developed and it was like, at the very beginning I remember just starting I was into like five books or something and now I'm at 100 plus books that I've read in the past year and a half. To the fact that they're like, oh, dude, I was just kidding. Like, I didn't know like you were like that or anything like that. And <laughs> when I started my podcast, everyone was kind of like, you know, joking. Oh, he thinks he's the next Joe Rogan. Watch out. You know, like there, there were some times where, to be fair, friends are like joking, kidding. Like they, they genuinely don't mean it. But there's some people that deep down, I get what you're saying with like TikTok, uh, that like really are like, dude, like just absolutely kind of being a dick to you just to be cool, the coolest person in the room. Uh, And it's like, you get to figure out real quick who's in your corner and who's not and your circle gets very small. But those people that are very small in your circle are the ones who are taking you to the next levels.
1: Exactly. And I was gonna say there's this, this quote is more related towards dating advice, but it it works really well, I feel like with what you just said. So I think of everything as like an analogy of a tree. So like you have your leaves. You have the people who come in and come out and they change with the seasons. As the seasons change, the leaves fall off and die. So like those are the same people in your life that are coming in and out, like who's figuring out who's really in your corner. And then off of those leaves is like the roots, the roots stick along a lot longer and they're not, they could potentially die or like new roots could grow. And like, they're a lot harder to go in and go out, but sometimes people mess up someone who's going to be a root in their life with like a leaf, like somebody who's really there long-term. And then, you have the trunk of the tree that's not not going anywhere. And like those people are the ones you really want to keep around regardless. They're the ones who are going to ride for you, like be in your corner, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're posting or saying, like those, those are the two or three people in your life that you're going to bring along with you, whatever you're going, whatever you're doing. It's just like the people that you know you can trust for the rest of your life. And like figuring out those people and being like going back to building the right team. It could be a life team. It could be a company team. It could be a sports team. It could be anything that's related to building relationships with people. It's just like, Knowing who cares about what you're doing and getting them excited about it as well. And, and not, not having everybody has their on season, their off season. I feel like the people who are there for you in your off season are the ones that you want to have at the top of you in your on season. That's what, that's my philosophy on it as well.
0: Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's just so funny when you when you start something and how how much persistence and grit it takes and to be passionate about what you, like we've been saying this entire podcast that you have to have, like I've been doing this for two years now, uh, it, but my, my, my goals, I, I, I was facing with the tunnel vision of the, the goals the entire time, span network, try to get to know as many people as possible and grow in knowledge. Those are my two objectives. Not one of them was become the next Joe Rogan, Become the biggest podcast in the United States, it was to stay humble and to the fact of being hungry to really just grow these two things. And I, I've accomplished everything and more that I've done within that. And I would call that a success. Everyone defines success differently. You can look in the dictionary and there's a, a solid definition there. But everyone in around has there's thousands upon tens of thousands of definitions of success and how people measure them. Life can be successful if you're rich with money, people can be rich with love. You know, there's so many ways to differently tie success in. Um, to well, companies, uh, you can't survive with, uh, you know, negative a quarter million dollars in the bank. Uh, That's just not feasible uh, to be like, I got all love, though, you know, there's, there's idealization that you have to wrap around in your business. Um, But as we as we come to this end of the podcast, I'm curious, what what are some good books and podcast recommendations that you've had um, that are like, this is something you have to read, or this is something you have to listen to? So books, definitely the best book is the Lean Startup, yeah by far,
1: yep. um, uh The Forty Eight Laws of Power, Forty Eight Laws of um, Power. One of my favorite books on the mindset. Like my favorite quote that I actually came up with this quote. I feel like is really good. An internal change in your mindset changes or causes external change in your life. And the biggest one for me is like people love him or hate him. David Goggins is an animal. Like he's he's one of the best most tenacious people that i've ever seen and his book can't hurt me it's like a a really good indicator of like finding success in your life by just changing your mindset and be like oh my god the body is a governor the mind has a governor it's not your friend but if you can overcome that then nothing's going to stop what you want to do and kind of ties into being able to fight adversity it's like the same thing with your mindset people tear you down your mind tears you down nobody's on your team except for you so if you can if you can be the best teammate to yourself then nobody's going to stop you so it was, yeah. that was a big one as well um Think and Grow Rich, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Rich um, Dad Poor Dad. Yep. How to win That's friends cool. and influence people. Great books. And then the two podcasts I listen to over everything is like um Guy Roz's How I Built This Labs. I listen to it like it sounds corny, but I literally listen to it every single day. It's so cool. It's like he has people like Mark Cuban, like Elon, uh uh the guy who made Bonobos, uh Max Levchin from PayPal, like the guys from Twitch, the guys from um wow. Like It's it's incredible. And uh, another one is The Ice Coffee Hour with Graham Stefan. That one's pretty good. It's more like entertainment style. They just oh, kinda- I
0: love. Uh, I, dude, I've watched um, Stefan for probably like three plus years now. Just his advice and sitting at the desk and like with just him talking through financial crises and stuff. That's a really good one uh, that I haven't heard as a recommendation. That's his podcast and his YouTube alone, I think, are really good yeah. things to read and wa- uh, listen to and watch.
1: It's funny that you say that too, because a little thing that, uh, he's, a he's an investor in Tri-Carrot. Uh, they're a, car- a credit card for influencers and, and creators. Mm-hmm. And they, I just set up with them and he, he does something called a creator supernova, which is, a uh, um, it's a shark tank for creators and Graham Stephan's one of the judges. And they invited me to come on. What? Um, yeah. So, crazy, crazy. Dude. so we'll, we'll see if how that ends up turning out. Um, they I'm like, in the pool of the creators to go in. So I got to pitch. I got to do a preliminary pitch and see how it goes. But it's like him, uh, the CEO of Patreon, and then a couple of really big creators. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see Mr. Beast or somebody there. Um, That would
0: be insane to see like literally the biggest content creator in the entire world now. Um, That would be insane if he was like investing in businesses in there. Um, But dude, that's huge. When do you figure out? Oh, that's
1: like that's like uh, almost summer of next year. So it's going to be a while because they just
0: had their their second one. But we'll see. Dude, that's big time. Congratulations on that. Um, is there any? Oh, it was power. 48 Laws of Power. Was that by Robert Greene with an E on the end of his name? I don't know if you know that or not. I'm pretty sure it was that author. I think that's the right author. Yeah, Robert uh, Greene. Yeah, that's what I thought. He, dude, he. You have to look at other books. Uh, there, dude, he has so many good books too. Uh, the Forty Eight Laws of Powers was a very powerful book. Dude, it's so lengthy though. It's so thick. Um, so cool, yeah, but it's it's really good. Um, as we wrap up the podcast episode, do you have any last words of wisdom for the audience?
1: So, I would say if there's something out there that you feel like you like to do more than like traditional path or like something that everybody else is telling you to do it's like really go for it because like I wanted to get my degree and graduate and figure it out but then from here like I was spent my entire life prepping for law school because it was like yo you're gonna go to law school you're gonna be a corporate America guy and that's gonna be it and at least the path right now like it seems like it's kind of directing like it's not gonna be that way and for the first time in my life, I feel like I'm able to kind of create my own path, like my own journey. And again, by no means am I Elon Musk or like the next Elon Musk, maybe I'm the first Jake Henry, who knows, but like, Mm -hmm. um, I'm at least putting myself in a position that I have the opportunity to do that. Like the, the first thing is like, um, Again, back to the Les Brown quote is like the fear of failure, letting the out- outweighing the desire to succeed. Like people really don't do things just because other people tell them it's not cool. And uh, there's a thing. And this is a uh, ASAP Rocky. It's like I'm literally just trying. Like when did it become uncool to try? Like what's yeah. wrong? So it's just like being able to differentiate yourself from the crowd and like maybe it's not an idea you have now maybe it's a you want to start a youtube channel maybe you want to start streaming on twitch maybe you want to start a podcast like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what it is people are going to make fun of you people aren't going to be in your corner when you do different things until you're it's there there's there's three stages i feel like it's like people make fun of you um people start to respect you and then they make an example out of you so it was like uh, i remember the the social media stuff it's like I was making the videos and I was getting roasted, like roasted bad every day. I didn't care. Like I liked doing it, it was fun. Mm-hmm. My closest friends were making fun of me. And then like they saw that I would get some followers and I was like, Oh, well, I saw you on the for you page a couple of times. I was like, good job, still weird though. And then, like, I hit like 450,000 followers, and they're like, Oh, one kid literally came up to me, he was like, dude, I tell my other friends that I know somebody who has a lot of followers, which is like again, it's not like I'm doing it to flex, it's like I made it because I wanted to market lectra and just ended up working yeah. out really well, doing what I like to do. So Again, it's like, take the opportunities you have, create your opportunities and do whatever you can to to go to distance again persistence close to the distance and at the end of the day, if you close the distance sky's the limit so. Again, thank you so much for having me on, Hunter. We appreciate
0: it. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jake, you were someone that stuck out to me uh, at the CEO conference. It's an honor to have you on. There's a lot of boys that I'm still connected, uh, connected with that were, um, do, they're, they're doing a lot of different things now, whether it be in solar. I know a couple of guys in solar now uh, and doing just, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and, and, and just diverse in general and people pursuing their dreams. And it's so cool to see people that you got to meet for a week that are like forever like your lifetime friends and it's like although you don't talk on a daily basis it's that person that you're like dude I'm proud of you I know ever since I've met you in that 10 seconds that we first met each other and I was like this is the guy this is the guy I want to know um th- that there was like 20 of us and I feel like there's there's something that that's growing there so it's dude it's an honor to have you on the podcast thanks for taking your time um, and and talking to the audience and me um and here so Uh, We're going to be wrapping up that. This was Redefine Relentless. Don't forget to turn on notifications and we will be queuing the outro.